Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. This is Juliette Lamar, your host. And today we have with us Gary Markham, and he is the CEO at expire.com. Hey, Gary, how are you? Yeah, hi, Juliet. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's go ahead and start off with, you know, break down Expire for us. What are you guys doing? Ooh, we're doing a lot of things. So Expire was a spin out from a company I'd been running for some years in the kind of vendor professional management software space. And it entered, uh, they created uh, a new division in the fintech arena, which is around hedge funds, private equity, and other asset managers. And we've created a number of applications, the first one being um, a spend management tool called Resolver, which basically helps companies to cut out a lot of uh, what I'll call human manual processes. Um, that's a B2B play. Um, more recently, we've launched a new application, which is a P2P. Kind of think about um, Fiverr meets Freelancer. And that's called Matchbox. So that's more of a, a digital play where people uh, will drop project work uh, into the site and then expect people to come in and bid for that work. And, and these are smaller projects where there it might be something like a logo or build me a web page or something along those lines. And, and that's a very exciting application. And then we have sort of analytics off the back of some of that. So little company, Global Footprint, operating in the U.S., U.K., India, and Asia-Pac. Excellent. Excellent. 
So how did you get involved with Xpire? Well, I was the uh, one of the founders of the company from which Xpire broke away. And it was really something, you know, some things people think are planned well. And of course, we like to think that we're good at planning. And, you know, I think we are, plan- you know, good planners. A lot of us are PMP and Six Sigma Black Belt and stuff like that. But really, this happened through an inquiry we had from a large hedge fund in New York City. And they created or presented to us, uh, should I say, a challenge that we've not been presented before. And from the background that we came from, which was more in, more in line with, say, to insure tech, um, we used that kind of knowledge base and experience to then build out an application for this hedge fund that took us into a different space, challenged us in different ways. They were very sharing with us in terms of opening up their needs and their requirements so we could learn into that space very quickly and then build out an application and a suite of tools that would help them. So it was really an inquiry that came to us completely unsolicited that involved us in a space that we hadn't really been involved with before, but it opened us up to a whole new experience and a whole new environment uh, where we're thriving. So it made a lot of sense to split off Axpire as a separate vehicle. And so I decided to kind of sell off my interest in the old company, uh, bring in new management for that, and go full-time with Axpire. Wow. So just a full jumping in with both feet. Yeah, I'm I'm not that risk averse. I'm 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 a kind of a glass half full guy. So um, you know, a lot of things indicated to us that the fintech space is is on the rise. Technology spend being proposed within this these spaces uh, is actually very significant. And we're not just saying that based on our own research, but these are market studies and other trends that are coming from very credible sources like SNL and MIT Sloan School of Management and things like that. So. You know, we're going into a space that looks quite healthy. We're going in at an early stage. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah, a lot of fun. Very cool. So what are some of the, the key benefits and differences that Expire offers as opposed to other companies well, that do a similar? Some of this, in terms of the B2B side, if I, so if I talk about them in two different ways, if I talk about the B2B side, which is the application we've got called Resolver, where we're, we're relating to and providing services and applications to hedge funds and, and others with assets under management, it's not the sexiest thing in the world, but sometimes boring is good. I don't know if you've ever heard that term. I and have, it's I have. Getting, it's, it's getting to the rudiments of how companies operate internally. And that's to do with how departments conduct themselves uh, within the department in terms of you know, individuals who share information, uh, have to report to one another, have to provide reports, have to provide data and analytics and other pieces of information just to conduct themselves. And now how that department relates to other departments within the entity. So obviously within the fintech space, you operate within a highly regulated environment. And so making sure fiduciary duties are met, the data are correct, and ultimately the compliance can report to the regulators in, a, in, a, in an accurate fashion, apart from just very good health, bring to the table for our customers. So the grassroots of this are basically removing paper, removing PDFs, and removing, removing spreadsheets. We call it PPS to digital. And it's digitizing all the way in which, as I said, people operate within their department, how that department commingles with other departments that shares information, and how ultimately that flows to finance, and how ultimately that flows to compliance, and putting that into a single site application, which we call Resolver. So it takes away a ton of human manual processes, inefficiencies that come between, say, 15 and 25% of cost to the business, and we put that time back into the queue so that people can spend time 
on quality activities or adding value to the business as opposed to shuffling paper. Absolutely, and and that's going to save everyone money. I mean, the impacts of that are going to be... Yeah, well, I mentioned MIT Sloan School of Management, and there's a study, I think it's from 2015, don't quote me on that. Um, <laughs> they did a significant study, because I'm, I'm, I, I like to know the relation. I'm a more of a correlation person, I'm not an averages person when it comes to numbers or analytics. So I wanted to know, you know, going back to, say, the industrial age when there were time and motion studies done about how efficient or inefficient things were. So that's what drove automation way back in the late 1800s, right? So, you know, we weren't around then, but that's actually what started industrialization. Um, that's how the automotive industry, you know, began to use robotics and, you know, plants that had um, production lines and all this kind of stuff and, and, and everything we do right now with computing. So it's the same theory. It's just applied in a different century uh, to a different mm -hmm. scenario. But the rudiments are basically to cut out inefficiencies and to basically improve the quality of the data um, and, and making sure that where you are a, a fintech company or you are re reporting to various regulators as some of our customers do around the planet, you know that the upstream source of the data from which you're reporting upon is clean and it's good. So there's an assurance issue, there's a fiduciary issue, there's an internal management issue, uh, there's obviously you know the value of time. And MIT kind of captured this in their study. Uh, and looked at it and said, well, we think it's across industries, across verticals, anywhere between 15 and 25% of lost profitability and productivity to the way current companies currently operate. And this is a study that's only less than two years old. Wow. 25% is, is huge. It's massive. Yeah. It's massive. It could be the difference between not making any margin and making margin, right? Being in business and not yeah. being in business. Right? And we don't think it's unique to you know fintech companies or asset management or you know, sort of hedge, hedge funds or you know anybody that's necessarily running um, assets under management. Although this is our f current focus, you know we believe that this could be industry agnostic. Now, I've worked in various industries uh, as a consultant and as a as a, uh, as a manager, and you see these same things go on. I mean everybody who's been working in a large company sees these things go on. So. To us, we believe the boundaries of what we can apply this technology to are, are fairly are fairly wide, you know. So well, good because then you can help more people. Yeah. You have been. This company has been all over the place. You've been in the news. Uh, you've been Entrepreneur Magazine, Bitcoin.com, Global Investor yeah. Group. You guys are getting a lot of really positive press. Yeah. Well, we we haven't been one to kind of you know shout about our own you know shout the praises from the hilltops. We haven't been doing so much of that, but uh, recently, uh, we engaged um, a firm to help us um, share the word, as it were, and I think mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why we're getting a lot of attention. It's sessions like this that, that I'm on with you now that obviously help us share with your kind of user base and your customers and your readers, and, and it's always very useful for us. And we're hoping it's not a one-way street that, you know, while we're putting messages out, we also want to hear from people about you know, is this resonating with you or do you see this in your industry or other other ways that we could tackle this problem or crack this nut, so to speak. So we're always seeking out those sorts of things. Absolutely. And you have presence on a lot of social media platforms as well. So hopefully you'll get back that feedback through interacting with those communities. Yeah. And you can see that from our website, we've surrounded ourselves with some pretty um, high profile people. And we've got a very broad spectrum within our, within our uh, founders and our our advisors, our wider board, and, and that's for a very good reason. You know, we want to surround ourselves with the right kind of people who are credible in their industry, who are domain knowledge experts, 
And I think also that's having a good knock-on effect to how much attention we're receiving within the press. Absolutely. So if someone wants to use your, your technology and your service, how do they go about that? What are the first steps with getting involved? Well, obviously reaching out is important. And I think, as you've just said, it's not that difficult to reach out to Axpire to find us. Um, we, we, we aren't actually ironically doing a lot of outbound marketing. You know, we do receive a lot of inquiries coming in, which I would say are unsolicited, albeit somebody's obviously picked up on, on Xpire from a, a various online source typically, or, or a word of mouth. But we're not like in-your-face salespeople. We, we don't have people knocking on doors, wearing out shoe leather, tromping around the, the cities to, to knock on doors. We do this through networking, through word of mouth. But really, the process is, is very sim- simple. We don't go in with a sales message. What we do is we go in and share with the customer what we have but we concentrate most of the time in the early days of engagement with the customer on understanding their requirements, getting a deep understanding of what their pain points are. So again, we're applying fairly standard you know, management uh, and analytics and, and business analysis type techniques, like Six Sigma, for example, process-driven, to understand how they, how they run their company, uh, what are the underlying issues that are causing those pain points, and see if the technology either fits as it is right now, or if it doesn't, how we can modify it and repurpose it to accommodate that particular customer's needs. So there's an element of you know customization and configurability. We're not about trying to kick out their existing softwares either. So if they're using a platform uh, that's providing certain functions, we will dovetail into those platforms. We'll connect to those platforms. Uh, I'll use the word integrate because it's an easier way of describing the way we do it. Um, and that, again, you know helps us come into a customer because we're not being disruptive and saying, oh, you know, dump that software package. You don't need that anymore and bring us in and and you can save yourself a ton of money. Of course, there's some streamlining and we'll look at redundancy and, you know, if something is overlapping, they need to make a choice about whether it's going to be functioning in our software or this software. But we try and not completely disrupt their infrastructure because that can be disruptive to their business, which is, you know, counterintuitive to what we're trying to achieve here. So we approach this with a very soft consultancy type of approach. Um, analytic but consultancy because obviously you're dealing with people and um, you know that's that's an approach that we we typically take so it's more about learning and inquiring and being very curious about how the customer operates where the pain points are and then seeing how we can articulate how the software and the the applications can can be configured uh, to to assist overcoming those pain points a big aspirin (laughs) exactly exactly Um, you've worked with a lot of clients so far. Uh, just to name a few, we have Nike, IBM, Intel, Ace Hardware, AT&T, Coca-Cola. Do you have any stories about you know significant changes you've seen within these companies that we know and we think are just kind of running on autopilot? How have you helped these? Them, have you helped them? And any interesting things that have come up? I'm probably going to talk more about our more recent clients because those are some of the legacy clients. But in the mm-hmm. space where we've operated in different verticals, the results are varying. But what we have noticed is that. You know, again, we're not coming in to say make people redundant. Um, clearly, if you've got, you know, maybe some lower-level admins that are doing, you know, data entry or they're having to run with an inefficient process which requires human input, that's something we can obviously say, look, you won't need those people. Or rather than that message, you say, hey, look, you can repurpose these people. Uh, and we found some highly qualified people that are, you know, they're college graduates. They've been out of college for three, four, five years. Uh, they're running in a in a finance role or an administrative role in terms of fund administration, and they're basically when you analyze what they do, not adding a ton of value, and they know it, and they're not happy about it. So when we come along, we pr- provide relief to that person because the thing that they're doing today or the modality 
in which they're conducting the requirements of their departmental responsibilities is so archaic. And when they, when they see what we can do with our software, they're over the moon. So typically it's around relieving people. The, the general answer to your question is in relieving people from having to do mundane, manually driven processes and free them to, to be a part of the team and, and use what they've got in their minds uh, to provide real value back into their business. So you, you get a lot of happy people that way. And that, that I would say would be probably one of the underlying things that we bring to the to the business is, is people being able to then add value back into the business as opposed to simply, you know, churning a handle and, and watch a, watching something come out the other end and then they pick it up and hand it to the next person. The next person does exactly the same thing. So giving people back, the, you know, their, their, their quality time so that they can conduct themselves in a way that's uh, very efficient and then you can use their skills in there. In their, in their minds to add value back into their business as opposed to process-driven. Exactly, and that's that going was, to generate creativity, that is going to generate yeah. a better work-life balance for people. Correct, yeah. And happy people make better products. <laughs> it's just fact. Yeah, so there's a, psychological, there's a psychological element to this is what you're kind of picking up on. And, you know, a lot of us in the company have come from or at least had some experience in the consulting world. So, you know, you come across that aspect of the the, the social and, and psychological dynamics of change within an within an organization. Of course, Expire brings change. Um, my sort of spin on change is that a lot of people confuse uh, change with uncertainty. And humans, being what they are, if they are uncertain, the response is likely to be negative mm. um, because I don't know what it is. I'm going to push back against it because I just don't know what it is. So we bring these things out right from the beginning. And so let's just say you have, you know, people that have owned a process within a business and they're wedded to it because they think that's the way that should be operating. And along comes Axpire and they say, you know, here's a different way of doing what you do right now. And there's a lot of redundancy in the way that you're doing it because it's inefficient. That can, that can be taken as a negative, right? Because, well, wait a minute, that's the way we've been doing it for years. You know, that old adage, right? Mm-hmm. So in, under, in understanding the potential for that response, we articulate things in a way that people can kind of get it. And once they get it, they realize that this isn't a threat. This is a huge benefit. And that's when you get that tipping point of, you just mentioned it, their creativity. People go, wow, now I can add, you know, I can actually use my mind in a way that I've never been able to use before. Instead of turning this big handle and turning out these, you know, whatever's these widgets at the other end, um, I'm able to actually do something that's meaningful. So you get a lot of that. And that to us, apart from the technology side of it, that human side of it uh, is, is huge. And of course, the, the management in the company, the people that brought us in, the C-suite people to make those decisions on this, they see that and they go, wow, we didn't expect that benefit. You know, you guys have been talking about ROI this and ROI that and value proposition this and all the rest of it. We didn't we didn't expect this kind of softer benefit to come to our staff. And that to me is very gratifying. That's huge. I, and I can hear it in your voice that it's something that really motivates you is being able to change people's lives for the better. Yeah. And, you know, okay, yeah, we're using some software and some tools, but, there, you know, the implementation, the engagement with the customer and the implementation phases and seeing how that's going and, you know, hand-holding the customer and getting them used to a, this new way of, of operating and then seeing how they function afterwards and, and looking at how they're more satisfied with their, as you said, work-life balance. Uh, that's a that's a fantastic uh, thing to come away from with a client engagement. Mm-hmm. What else have you learned by working in your industry but also at this company? Um, I think that you're never going to finish learning. Um one mm-hmm. thing we do know for certain is that we don't know everything. That's one of my little sales pitches, by the way. The more I learn, the less I know. <laughs> no, 
No, so every customer engagement is slightly different. And of course, we go in with you know a good amount of knowledge and experience and a good amount of sort of tools in our toolkit, our technology toolkit, but never with an expectation that, hey, Mr. Klein, here it is. It's in a box. It's shaped like this. It weighs two and a half pounds and it's four ninety nine. Never, ever do that. Never commoditize the customer engagement. So basically, think it each customer is different. Uh, you share your learnings with them. They are open and willing to share their learnings and their knowledge and their operating models with you. And that's how you get, you know, as I said, you get under the skin and then you figure out what those pain points are and enables us to get much better insights into that business that enables Xpire to be far more responsive to those needs than if we were just offering a box for $4.99. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So again, it comes Absolutely. from more of a consulting type of approach. So some of the other things we've learned are, you know, each customer is different. Uh, different um, roles and responsibilities weigh differently on how the technology is used. Our typical audience is the CFO, the general counsel, and the chief compliance officer. But, of course, we, we work with legal, uh, the entire team. We work with finance and accounting. We'll work with fund administration. We'll work with uh, fund accounting. We'll work with compliance. We'll work with the entire gamut of the organization from C-suite all the way down to desktop level. So that's also a pretty cool thing to be you know, experiencing. Oh, absolutely. So dreaming big here, where do you see Fire in the next three years? Well, we're modeling a lot of what we do on a, on a company called Coupa. If you look at Coupa.com, you'll see the kind of software they have and you'll see the type of industries that they're involved with. And it's basically their industry or vertical agnostic, which means they're into everything. So, of course, right now we're tackling asset management, hedge funds, and so forth. But we have wider ambitions to take this same technology and apply it to much, much wider um, scope in terms of the industries that we're involved with. So I would say domestic growth in the United States and North America in terms of our asset management field, uh, similarly in London and in Asia-Pac and then growing out from there in terms of other verticals. So we're going back to our roots in terms of insurance because they also have, a lot of them are hugely inefficient, um, and we know that space very well, so it's a natural fit. And then looking at some of the other verticals that um, the company's uh, targeting, such as uh, infrastructure, transportation, such as airlines, uh, transport companies, construction. Again, you might think it's efficient, but it's there's a lot of inefficiencies. So some very large verticals that we're targeting to apply this technology. And again, it would be a repurposing of that technology into a different industry vertical. Some of those verticals we know, some that we don't, but we're still targeting. So we'll take on subject matter expertise to help us learn into the space. That, as I said earlier, our approach is very um, inclusive with the customer. So um, once we've got um, once we've got our uh, first engagement in a different vertical, that gives us a lot of credibility, and uh, we can move on from there. So I don't have any real numbers size-wise to you um, because things change so rapidly here. Um, no, but I, I can see, I, I can certainly see as seeing the company grow by a, a multiple of I would say five to ten times the size it is right now. I hope so. I hope so. What is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Is it the info at expire.com? Yes, it is. Yep. So that's info at A-X-E-I-R-E.com. Yep, absolutely. And I'm always, um, probably probably not through this channel, but I'm always willing to give out my own personal information when we've even made initial Perfect. contact with people. Um, very engaging, as are my other uh, staff. Uh, well, Gary, it's been it's been such a pleasure to have you on and to learn more about Expire because I really love the human aspect of it. I think a lot of times people get caught up in the numbers, and you are both a numbers and a pe- human company. Yeah, I like that. That's nice. I'll use that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'll steal that from you. Well, good, good. <laughs> well, 
Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, and we're looking forward to hearing more about Expire throughout the years. Thanks very much. Appreciate the interview. Absolutely. Absolutely. This has been Juliet Lamar of Future Tech Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000-plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.